Good morning, church. So good to be with you this morning and um, be able to just communicate with you and stay together even though we're not able to be physically in the house. And uh, I'd like to reiterate something that we posted yesterday on our social media platforms and on our website. And although we are uh, very happy that the federal government has agreed that churches are essential, uh, at this time we have not decided to reopen the building. Uh, we want to make sure that when we do, we approach that with wisdom with uh, understanding there are several factors that play into opening the church. It's not just a matter of unlocking the doors. Uh, there's many health aspects that we have to consider, particularly with the size of our congregation and the fact that our surrounding community is one of the largest hit within the city. And so uh, we want to remind you, and I think this is important, that we're not waiting on the federal government. We're not waiting on the governor or the mayor or even other churches uh, we are waiting on the Lord. And so, church, we're going to ask you if you would just continue to pray uh, for wisdom, for guidance, that the Holy Spirit may be the one that leads us, that gives us the conviction of when to open. And, again, just to remind you that we are still ministering. We are still the church. The church never closed, just the building did. And so uh, we want to encourage you still to stay connected with us online. Uh, we are ministering to every aspect of our church like we always have. So uh, shout out to the youth, if, uh, since I'm the youth pastor and the young adults pastor. We still have, yeah, thank you, brother. We still have uh, youth every Thursday and Friday. Young adults uh, have been meeting every other Sunday night via Zoom and live Instagram and a bunch of other formats. And so... Uh, by the grace of God, we have been able to continue to be the church. And I was thinking about, you know, all this as we've been going into it. And, um, you know, I've been uh, stuck at home, obviously, like everybody else. And there's parts of it that I really do enjoy, the fact that uh, I can be with my daughter and, and just spend that extra time with her and uh, some of the extra things that have been going on. But like you, you know, there are times where you just want to get out, you want to do stuff. And uh, I thank God for the little things that he gives us that allow us to pass the time. And one of those little things that I've really been enjoying, if I can be honest with you, is the last several Sunday nights, uh, ESPN has been throwing the Last Dance documentary, which as a Chicago native, as a lifelong Bulls fan, uh, I have been thoroughly just in, stuck to my TV and joined. As a matter of fact, Pastor Jason and I have been uh, texting each other every night during the game. We would just text each other our commentary. We would go back and forth. And, you know, some of the texts were just like, I can't believe that happened. Uh, or I can't believe they went through that. But for me, one of the beauties of that whole documentary was that this was my childhood. This is what I grew up on. These um, were the people that I idolized as a kid. Uh, and people who weren't around there, again, I deal with a lot of younger people who were born after any of the Bulls championships. And we'll often get into basketball arguments over who's the best and, you know, what team was the best. But when you watch this documentary, I think it leaves no doubt, especially if you're from Chicago, that the 90s Bulls was the greatest dynasty of all time. And uh, come on, thank you. Now, if I don't get as many amens for the other parts, then we, we know where their hearts are at. Um, but again, like, that, that is, this is just the greatest dynasty. And Jordan is obviously the GOAT. If you didn't know, now you know. But here's the thing that I'm trying to help you understand. That legendary franchise with everything they went through, you know, with the Paxson shot and the Curse shot and Scottie Pippen dunking over Patrick Ewing and, and Jordan with his immortal last shot. And I do reiterate, last shot. We don't count the Wizards. That never happened. But uh, we love that whole thing, especially if you're from Chicago. Because here's the deal. That 90s Bulls team, right, they didn't just leave us with championships. They left us with a legacy, with something that we can look back on. And I heard this 
uh, definition of legacy the other day, and it's been sticking with me. Listen, church, legacy, a future without you that is still influenced by you. Legacy is a future without you that is still influenced by you. That's why 22 years later, we're still talking about Jordan being the GOAT. That's why 22 years later, we're still talking about the 90s Bulls and the whole world is glued for, you know, five weeks straight watching these two-hour shows every Sunday night. I mean, think about it. How often did we make, uh, you know, must-see TV anymore, right? Everything is on demand. Everything is when you want to watch it. But, man, I had to see it live. Why? Because of the legacy that they left behind. And that got me thinking, you know, there's been a lot of news of, of death and people dying. And uh, with everything that's been going on, I think that's been getting closer to home. And, you know, when you face uh, the idea even of death and, and death comes knocking around the corner, it starts to give you an existential view of your own life. You start to kind of reevaluate. And again, for me personally, uh, you know, I had a family member who passed away this week. Uh, from dementia, and, you know, you, I've had friends who've had family members pass away from the virus and other illnesses, and, and you see death almost on a regular basis on the news. And even now with my young daughter, I think about, well, what am I leaving behind? Because the reality is all of us at some point or another will pass away from this earthly body. But what do we leave behind for those who are still here? I understand that those who follow godly paths will rest in peace when they die, but what are we leaving behind? What is the spiritual legacy that I'm leaving, not just for my daughter, but for the people that are part of my life? And if you want a great uh, definition of spiritual legacy, I think we can look at the life of the Apostle Paul, particularly in his letters to Timothy. If you open up your Bibles or you want to reference 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy is Paul's last book before he dies. Paul is in prison Paul understands that his execution is coming near. And so he writes to his young disciple, this young pastor who he's been mentoring for a while now. And he says some very interesting things throughout the book. But in the last chapter, in chapter 4, he sums up his legacy in a very interesting way. If you look at 2 Timothy chapter 4, I'm going to read verse 6 through 8. He says, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, I have remained faithful, and now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Here I believe Paul leaves us a recipe for spiritual legacy, something that you and I as believers should strive to be able to say when we come to our last days. And if you're taking notes, I want to walk through those three elements quickly. Uh, the first one is this. <laughs> he admonishes us to fight the good fight. To fight the good fight. And I, I think this is interesting because have you ever considered how much energy we waste on bad fights? Uh, on fights that aren't necessary. On, on fighting politics. On, on, on fighting with your family. On fighting uh, strangers on social media. On even fighting God against his plan and purpose for your life. We often waste so much energy on fights that aren't necessary, on bad fights. But here Paul is saying, listen, listen, I didn't waste my time on the bad fights. I didn't waste my time bickering people over things that don't matter. Listen, as much as I know Jordan's the GOAT, I'm not going to sit there for an hour and a half and argue with you whether Jordan or LeBron. That's a bad fight. Okay, that's not worth my time. I have to focus on a good fight. 
And Paul kind of goes into what a good fight is in his earlier book in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12. He says, fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. The good fight is the fight for faith. And faith is something worth fighting for. See, you have to fight for faith when you don't know how you're going to pay the next bill. You have to fight for faith when one of your loved ones gets sick and something seems to be going in the wrong direction and you're not sure if there's going to be an out. You have to fight for faith when you sense your family is falling apart. You have to fight for faith when you feel like maybe Jesus isn't enough anymore. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19, cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear. For some people have deliberately violated their conscience. As a result, their faith has been shipwrecked. I love that imagery of clinging to your faith because everything in this world is trying to pull you away. It's trying to rip faith out of your hands. The news and, and the, the posts that we see and, and the people in our ears and the enemy's tactics are all trying to pull faith out of your hands. And God is here admonishing you and saying, hey, cling to faith. Hold on to it. Don't let the world pull it out of your grasp. But hold on to the faith that we have in Jesus Christ. And again, the reason I think Paul is such an excellent example of legacy is because he endured so many difficulties. Paul endured so many hardships. There were so many times when he was shipwrecked, when he was beaten, when he was bruised, when he was left for dead, when he was stoned. There were so many opportunities for Paul to throw up his hands and say, it's not worth it anymore. Yeah, I, I, I can't do this. See, see I, I started strong, but there was something about this passion that I had that was going. But, man, the first element of difficulty, and I threw my hands up. I love that Paul never quit. I love that Paul endured, that Paul clung to faith, that Paul didn't consider his life more than what it was. I love that Paul held on to his faith. And I think because he was able to cling to faith, he was able to say the next thing he said, which was, I finished the race, right? I fought the good fight, but I finished the race. You can only finish the race when you cling to faith. Ravi Zacharias, whom I'll address again a little bit later, said this one time, beginning well is a momentary thing. Finishing well is a lifelong thing. Anybody can start. There are many who have started a walk of faith but have walked away. There are many who started this journey. There are many who, who began even the journey alongside you and you look to your left and your right and they're not on that spiritual journey anymore. And here's the deal. It's not about signing up. It's about finishing. Nobody cares how many started. We want to look at how many finished. Listen, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. We are all running this race that God has called us to run. And, and I love that you've said yes to Jesus. I love that you consider yourself a Christian. I love that you're on this uh, video right now. 
But I want to encourage you, finish what you started. Don't just be satisfied with the fact that some years ago you said yes to an altar call and accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's fantastic. That's wonderful. But that is only the beginning of your spiritual journey. We have to continue this race as God has laid it out for us. There's this famous father and son duo who've been running races together since 1977. The impressive thing about this father and son duo is the fact that the son has spastic quadriplegic with cerebral palsy. He is a spastic quadriplegic with cerebral palsy. In other words, he doesn't have proper function of his limbs. He can barely speak. By the grace of God, he was taught how to read. He was taught how to do some basic communication. Matter of fact, he even graduated from Boston University. So he's excelled well. But early on in their life, there was a young man in the community, a lacrosse player, who got injured. And they were in a race to raise money for him. And this young quadriplegic son looked at his father and asked if they can run that race. And the father agreed. Interesting enough, after the race, Rick, the son, told his dad, Dad, when I'm running, it feels like I'm not handicapped. And again, I think... Being a father, it softened me up. I remember looking over this story for this message and beginning to get emotional because what father wouldn't be willing to do that when they hear that? That led to over 1,000 races completed, including marathons, duathlons, triathlons, six of them being Ironman competitions, all adding to a list of achievements. Father and son biked and ran across the United States in 1992 completing a full 3,735 miles in 45 days. Rick's father would push him in a wheelchair during those races. He would pull him in a boat during the swim meets. He would carry him in a two-seater bike during the bike races. Why would a father go through all that for so many years? I think it's because of the joy literally seated before him. That's why Jesus endured the cross, for the joy set before him. He could see what was ahead of him. He saw your face. He saw my face. He saw us building a relationship with him. He saw us growing spiritually. He saw being forgiven of your sins and having life. He saw the joy that was on your face, and he said they are worth dying for. Listen, if you want to finish this race, you have to see the joy ahead of you. You have to be willing to say, I can't forget what lies ahead. Yes, our issues are hard and our struggle is difficult, but they are only momentary. The joy set before me is what will pull me through these times. Are your eyes still fixed on Jesus or are they consumed with coronavirus? Are your eyes still fixed on Jesus or are they consumed with the political atmosphere? Are your eyes still fixed on Jesus or are they looking for another job and they can't see Jesus opening doors? We have to have our eyes fixed on the joy set before us. Remember, we run this race for Jesus, not for our own comfort or glory. It's very tempting to quit the race. And that's why I think the last point is so essential. He says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I remained faithful. There's a difference between having faith and being faithful. Faith is the belief in something. We must have faith when we pray and believe that God is listening to our answer. But faithful is a firm adherence to a promise. 
right? Having faith in my marriage is very different from being faithful in my marriage. Faithfulness matters most, however, when it's difficult. (laughs) I can be faithful in my marriage when everything's going well, when my wife is taking care of me, when, when I'm taking care of her, when we're happy, when we're joyous. But faithfulness kicks in and matters most when we need to be there, when it's not going so well, right? It's almost like your, your brakes, right? Your brakes aren't that important when you're not in the car. Brakes matter most when you're going down the highway, when, when you need them to work in that moment. God has called you to be faithful, particularly in this time that you're going through, in this difficult atmosphere that the world finds itself in. Now is the time to remain faithful. When you can't physically be in the building, you have to remain faithful. When you don't have somebody physically walking you through things, you have to remain faithful. Now is the time to remain faithful to what God has called us to do. James chapter 1 verse 12 reminds us, Happy are those who remain faithful under trials, because when they succeed in passing such a test, they will receive as their reward the life which God has promised to those who love him. Let me ask you this. Have you managed to remain faithful to the Lord? Have you managed to remain faithful to your devotional time? Have you managed to remain faithful to your prayer life? Have you managed to remain faithful in your alone time with seeking his face? Have you managed to remain faithful in your giving? Have you managed to remain faithful in your dedication and your purity? Have you managed to remain faithful when you can no longer be in the building and have accountability in person with somebody? Have you managed to remain faithful with your ministry? It's easy to say, well, the the doors are closed and so I don't have to minister anymore. Listen, I'm just going to tell you right now, I thank God for the team that he surrounded me with. Youth leaders, if you're listening, I love you. I appreciate so much the effort that you have made to connect with our students. Anchor leaders, I thank you. I appreciate so much the effort you've made to stay in contact with our young adults. I love the fact that this isn't squarely put on my shoulders, that it is the body of Christ who continues to minister. Church, have you remained faithful? Nursery workers, have you checked in on that mom? How are you doing? How's the baby? I missed your baby. I can't wait to hug your baby. How are you doing? Have you remained faithful to doing the things that God has called you to do? Greeters, are you getting online 10 minutes before the service to greet the people online? You could still do ministry. You could still serve. You could donate to things like Convoy of the Hope or the Chicago Food Depository. You can still volunteer and do things, even virtually. Have you remained faithful or are you just sitting at home waiting for the bell to ring again? I'm so excited for the day that I can worship alongside of you again. I I mean, I'm missing this room full and the noise and the sound that fills this room and the atmosphere that it creates. Trust me, I am just as anxious as you are. I am just as excited as you are. But if I can be transparent and and to a degree maybe blunt, if you think that being in this room is the reason, or not being in this room is the reason that you're not growing spiritually, you are horribly mistaken. Okay? You are horribly mistaken. If this was the missing element, then so was Jesus. (laughs) Because Jesus is enough whether I'm in this building or not. Now, again, don't get me wrong. We don't forsake fellowship Fellowship is necessary, but I haven't been missing fellowship. As a matter of fact, I think I've been talking with people more now that everyone's available than before. 
I've had friends of mine that I haven't spoken to in years, unbelievers, who have been in contact with me, who I've been able to have great communion with and catching up with because now we're all at home. We can remain faithful in spite of our circumstances and in spite of our issue. Listen, worship team, if you can help me out. We're not faithful to a building. We're faithful to the Lord. We're not faithful to a ministry or a job necessarily in and of itself. We are faithful to the Lord. And God has called us to be faithful, not just for today, but for the rest of your life. Church, I'm challenging you to think about the legacy that you're leaving. Parents, think about the spiritual legacy you're leaving your children. Often we, we think about the financial legacy we leave them or, or the you know, even moral legacy we leave them. But consider the spiritual legacy. Now that I don't talk with them in person one-on-one every week, are you having those spiritual conversations? Are you checking in on your family? Husbands, are you leading your wife spiritually? Think about your friends, those of you especially who are single who think, well, I don't have a family. You still have people watching. Remember, the Bible says that we have a crowd of witnesses who are watching us run our race of faith. Are you being consistent? Are you leaving a spiritual legacy worth following? I mentioned earlier a quote from Ravi Zacharias, who's one of my heroes in the faith. Like Ravi Zacharias passed away uh, just this past week um, after a while of battling with cancer. For those who never knew him, he was one of the greatest apologetics of our time. A brilliant man who eloquently defended the gospel in front of huge audiences and small ones alike. Whether he was standing before hundreds of atheists in a university or sitting down in a one-on-one with a sheik in the Middle East, he left an incredible spiritual legacy that has impacted millions, including me. His books, his sermons, his arguments, his conversations, his videos, all those things have laid a wonderful legacy of faith that encourages and inspires believers all around. He finished his race. He fought a good fight. And he remained faithful. Now here's something interesting I want you to think about. Ravi Zacharias grew up in India. He came to Christ at the age of 17. A skeptic of the faith, Zacharias was changed after coming across these words in the gospel. John 14, 19. I'm going to read just the second part of it. Because I live, you also will live. Let me read that again. Because I live, you also will live. Church, you can live the life that God has called you to live because he lives. Not because of your job situation, not because of your family situation, not because of the world situation. The life we live, we live by the grace of God because he lives. This passage was particularly meaningful to Ravi Zacharias as a young man because at the time when he read it, he was in the hospital recovering from an attempted suicide. He didn't start out so great. I'm sure the first 17 years of his life were difficult, at least enough to cause him to want to take his own life. But the life of Christ birthed life into him, which in turn resulted in a journey that he not only started, but he finished. 
a race that he ran with passion and vigor, that he remained faithful to, and that he was able to be consistent with. Jesus Christ conquered death, not so that we could be happy, but so that we could live well. So church, I just want to close in prayer, and I want to encourage you. Fight the good fight. Remain faithful. Finish your race. Heavenly Father, God, we're so grateful for the spiritual legacy of so many wonderful saints throughout the years. We're so grateful for the spiritual legacy that you left us, God, in your word. And Lord, we need your help. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come in to our rooms right now, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would speak to the lives of everyone who's listening right now. God, I pray that you would encourage us, Lord. Those who have been on the edge of quitting, those who have wondered if it's worth going anymore, those whose mind has been crowded with doubt, God, I pray that you would help us. Help us to fight the good fight and not get distracted with the negative ones. Help us to finish the race and not merely be satisfied with starting. Help us to remain faithful to the end, God, to be consistent in our walk. Lord, I pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit to point out any areas of our lives where we've been slacking, any areas of our lives where we haven't done what you have called us to do. Help us, Lord, to leave a spiritual legacy that will echo through the ages until all of us are standing before you face to face. Lord, we thank you because you've given us all the tools necessary to do this. We'll accomplish it by your glory and by your strength. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you.